We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? Yeah. That stunk. Uh, it's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Next Film School Podcast slash for the last time for at least, what, three months? I don't know. I, time is a flat circle. Uh, slash postgame live stream here, of course, as I always am when we record on Sundays, joined by my better podcasting half, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, John. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Although this time made the bridal party. Seems before we were the maid of honor. Yeah, yeah, you can live with that. You live with maid of honor. Listen, summer league doesn't matter. If the Knicks won, <laughs> summer league would have been the most important thing we've ever talked about. Um, we have agendas to protect, and that's mine. So yeah, you know, my agenda. What agenda am I protecting right now? So uh, we're it's five o'clock for anybody who may be listening to this tomorrow. The summer summer league for now just ended. We should say the Knicks. Uh, did not win. It was not their best effort of Vegas. Uh, I don't even know what the final... The final score was not indicative of how close this game was. The Knicks got... Um, I don't want to say badly outplayed, but the, the Blazers kind of took it to them. They really hounded them on defense all game long. Um, I don't know. but I guess the only agenda I was trying to protect them into this game is that Quentin Grimes is really good, and he struggled. Um, only shot 5 of 16 overall, 2 of 11 from 3. Missed some free throws, uh, but he got. I think. I think I could still hold on to that agenda because he got the ultimate token of respect. Because Portland's, it sure seemed like it. Portland's entire defense was keyed on stopping him and letting anybody else besides Quentin Grimes beat them, and all of the other someone else's um, could not beat them. And eighty-five seventy-seven was the final. So there we go. You live with it. It's all right. He showed enough in this tournament where it's nice that we're talking about him in a way that isn't just. Hey, look at that three and D prospect. There's more to like. So yeah, this was this was beneficial for him. It's beneficial for the Knicks. And uh, take it on the chin and move forward onto the next season officially now, right? Unless you count this as the new season, in which case, all right. Not I a bad always place see to this, roll into training camp with. No, I always see this as the as a holdover from the previous season. I do because it, it's it starts so soon after uh, the the NBA championship ends. I mean, it's like two week turnaround time. <laughs> Uh, and now we will officially get a break from basketball, except for the Knicks. And I thought uh, 
if you're wondering how many teams are in it with the Knicks in, in this uh, kind of purgatory that I'm about to refer to, the NBA odds went up for over-unders uh, over the weekend. And twenty, you could bet on 26 teams over-unders. The teams that you could not bet on currently are the, I was about to say the New Jersey Nets. Not even, not even trying to fuck around with them. I was just that was what almost came out of the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, who obviously connected with the Kyrie possible Kyrie trade, uh, the Utah Jazz, and the New York Knicks. So twenty six teams will get to go on a nice vacation now uh, for foreseeable future and kind of get their minds off of basketball and rest up on the whole thing. While the Knicks uh, will not. Because there is a thing out there that may be happening and seems like it is going to happen. And do we want it to happen? And should it happen? And what's it going to cost? And the whole thing. We'll talk about it today. Uh, it's a weird place to be. Because me- mentally, I'm like, I'm ready to move on from the season. And yet, can't can't do it right now. Yeah, the next two months of will they or won't they, as we were discussing on the <laughs> playback stream, should be fun. You know, have a Twitter account. That's uh, is Donovan Mitchell and Nick today, and it's just no every day for a you month and a half. That. That's a great idea. Good, or someone else can do the work. Probably too lazy to do it. It's a free uh, idea. Somebody listening or it. watching, go, go, go do that. Tag us. We'll uh, we'll we'll promote you for yeah. free promotion. Yeah. Um, I man, I wonder because like if you're the Knicks. Wanting to get it done is not a reason to get it done now. Uh, in fact, that would probably be the worst reason to try to get the thing done now. Uh, patience, in a certain respect, is a virtue here. Um, at the same time, and I'm sure we'll get into this because I have a feeling most of the questions today are going to be Don Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell related. Uh, how much patience is too much patience? Is there such a thing as too much patience in this scenario? where the marketplace seems to have uh, sorted itself out such that it is the Knicks bidding. I guess that's the difference is like, I don't think it's the Knicks bidding against themselves, but I do think it is the Knicks bidding. Well, I mean, it's bidding against the threat that, Danny Ainge will just say, I'm going to keep Donovan Mitchell on my basketball team, uh, which is ostensibly the same threat he used with Rudy Gobert. And it was enough to get the Wolves to be like, no, 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 no. We want him now and we'll get him now because we just we don't want to we don't want to draw this out. And, you know, for the Wolves, they kind of had the luxury to be able to do that. They had two really good young prospects on their team. They haven't they've won one playoff series or one playoff series during one season in 33. Different situation, new owners, the whole thing. This is not that. Uh, so I don't know. That was a very long winded way of saying, I guess we could be in for a bit of a wait. Do you think we will be? I don't know. Who knows? I, I know that's not the answer that you or people are probably I mean, I, looking for, but who knows? I certainly Listen, don't know. It, it's the sort of. I, I'll say this. I still find it hard to believe that Danny Ainge wants to go into next season he does with Donovan Mitchell still on the roster and have a James Harden-like situation. Well, reference the Bagley report. I know, I'm sure you read the... the yeah, so yep. Bagley, for anybody who doesn't know, reported... Um, Bagley's so great with his wording. That's why I love Ian. Uh, he, was, he, he didn't like report the Jazz 
are going to want to get this done before the season. But he was basically like, it would be very surprising if the Jazz took this thing past the season. He, I think he referred to it as an arbitrary deadline. So, you know, and, and he wouldn't put that in unless he thought it was worth putting. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that more. Plenty of questions about it. But yeah. anything, anything summer related, summer league related as we, before we I move mean, on to that? I, I don't really have anything else just because I feel like we've talked about these players a lot. And I feel like we've kind of come to a general consensus about everybody on. The, I guess the I don't know. To me, like the lesser guys like Farron Hunt, Trevor Keels, like we know, you know, we know what's going on with these guys. You know, they're Keels is going to go work it out in Westchester. Farron Hunt, same thing. Jericho Sims, great contract. Love it. Happy he's going to be around for the next three years. Wonderful breaking case of emergency third center. Showed us some really nice things. Also showed us or reminded us that not Mitchell Robinson on defense. And for the way the Knicks are constructing this particular basketball team at this time, right now, that whatever it's the difference between those two guys is on defense. 10%, 15%, 20%. That matters. So I don't know what else there is to say about Sims. And then there's Deuce, who, you know, had some nice moments. Had some nice moments. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, we cannot give Deuce McBride to Utah, to which I say, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I disagree, Chris. No, Chris is not alone in loving Deuce McBride. That's for sure. No, he's a, he's a nice player, but I, I feel like we entered we entered the summer league being like, all right, I'm really curious to see what we get from Deuce McBride. And now after five games, we're still kind of curious about Deuce McBride. You know, he's, he's there, there was some progress in some areas, but he's still kind of we didn't we didn't get the grimes performance from deuce so that's I, I don't know other than that i don't really have much else to say why anything from you no i think that's pretty good you know plenty of post games it's it's hard not to have all the attention revolve around grimes and rightfully so it should have the rest uh you know it felt like a mixed bag and that's fine even if mcbride is here i don't know how much playing time he'll get it uh, it also depends on who would be ahead of him i think that the Knicks are, yeah, I should say probably, but I have a feeling that Ryan Archidiacono finds his way back I, into the fold. How did I know you were going to say that? Be, because, well, number one, because we talked about it on the live stream. No, the, but I knew you were going to say it now. Number two, I, yes, yeah. because it's also like if the Knicks are looking for a third or fourth player who can, probably fourth, who can fill that backup point guard role. Yeah. Like if they can use someone like McBride in a trade, they, what are the odds barring injury? I mean, like if you had Brunson Mitchell and quickly those three guys, are they, aren't you going to have at least one of them on the court for 48 minutes? And then at that point, it's like, okay, well how much time does someone like Deuce get? Given given the way that again, I, it's so weird to, again, it's, I don't even know how to talk about this team right now because it's like the Mitchell deal. Obviously it is not done. It's not, it may not be close to being done, but we're 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 kind of starting to live in this world where we're imagining what the team might look like with Donovan and like how much sense does that make and who needs to be here in addition and like who's you know all that all that stuff. Um, okay, I uh, I think that's it. I think we can move on to to the chats. Uh, first one I see here from Delano Steele Jr. Salute to everyone in the chat. Salute to J Mac and Jake Cohen at Nick's Film School. Um, 
Yes, salute to everybody in the chat. Everybody here, by the way, Andrew Claudio is telling me in my earpiece, small, tiny earpiece that's barely visible. I will never get new headphones. Um, that we are 37 people shy of 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. Is that accurate, Andrew Claudio? 37? I don't think he'd lie. I think it's pretty. I don't know. <laughs> Andrew's a little shy sometimes. 9963. So, 9963. Okay. So 10,000 minus 9963 is indeed 37. So if you're watching this right now and you haven't subbed to this very channel, um, help us out. Maybe we'll hit 10,000 and and I will, uh, I don't know. What will I do on air? I'll get a shot. I'll, I'll do a shot of something. Sure. Or I'll well, pour you myself know, a drink. 9963. It's actually a really funny number because if you subtract 8,000 from it, you get 1963. Which is the year that JFK was assassinated. So we're really close. Not that far away. Could totally do it. Just a matter of getting there. We just can't make a wrong turn. Nope. At the last minute. No. But the nice thing exposed. is we have more than one shot to get this right. We have more than two shots to get this right. Multiple shots. We can do it. And that's clearly why people are subscribing to the that, next film school YouTube yep. channel. On that note. Mm-hmm. What a transition. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky starts us off because of, because of course he does. Hi, Kevin. Uh, was what it was. I thought Grimes was still the best player on the floor for the Knicks. Uh, yeah, we should have probably should have said that. He, like, even though Grimes didn't shoot it well and he didn't, especially from deep, like he was, again, they geared their defense to stop him and he still had some really nice moments. Had some nice passes, had some nice drives, uh, the threes that he did. Every three that he shoots just looks good. Um, so yeah, despite going five or 16, says something and I want him here badly. I, I Maybe this is a good transition. If, I, if you ask me right now what is going to be the final sticking point, maybe not the final sticking point, but like I get the sense they're going to they're going to come to a compromise on the picks. And it's, I realize that in saying that, that compromise in all likelihood will be tied to the player or players going back in the deal. So these are not separate entities. It's not like, all right, let's figure out the picks. Now we'll move on to the players. Like, no, that's, it's, it's all one big mess, which is why, along with the fact that the Knicks have so many different pick options to to put together. Like we, the notion that like, how long would it take us to go through every possible trade? We'd be here, you know, till Thursday. Um, but I do think if I was to pinpoint like what is maybe going to be the final thing, I, I could see it coming down to Grimes. I really could. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I'll launch into it. So I've seen a lot of Knicks fans talk about leverage. And I've seen jazz fans talk about leverage. And I've seen one side say the other, no, 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 you don't have the leverage that this team has. And I feel like no one just, not no one, but I feel like there is a lack of acknowledgement uh, in general that each side has leverage here. The jazz have a player that the Knicks covet. The Knicks have the assets that the jazz covet. It's a matter of, again, of course, finding that mix and match. There have been comparisons of stars over the recent years who have been traded and the trade packages that are there. And, you know, like, you know how it's exhausting hearing people talk about unprecedented times. We're living in an unprecedented era. Like, at what point are we just, is it precedented? (laughs) This, This situation that we're seeing with Donovan Mitchell, though, is largely unprecedented. And the reason for that is a lot of the superstar trades and star trades that we've seen are the final piece. They are teams that had to make this because TikTok, right? Like 
Kawhi Leonard. You got him in the door because you, you also get Paul George there. You had to do it. Yep. With LeBron, you have him on the roster. You had to find a way to get Anthony AD. Davis. Giannis, you had to find a way to add one more high impact. You call him a star. He was an all-star uh, in Drew Holiday. He was those the perfect, are the types of the, he was the missing piece for right. that team. Right. All those those three teams, for example, had to make those deals. The Harden Knicks, too, right? Harden, um, what? Uh, yes, that's another one. Yeah, the, where, the, the first Harden trade certainly, and honestly, the I, I, I we can't even, don't even we shouldn't even talk about the second Harden trade because that, that that existed in its own. But that is, but that is important because it features a. I, I'll still call him a star and Ben Simmons sure. with on a second contract yeah. with more than two years left of team control. And what did it net? Uh, Philadelphia, it netted them a star yeah. and it was a better player and they had to add more to the package to get that player. We haven't seen someone in the same contract situation go for anything less than a better player in return. And so it, it's the reason why the Jazz should be asking for RJ, but it seems that the Jazz don't want RJ because of the contract situation. That's fine. It seems like the Knicks also aren't too keen on giving him up either. That's yeah. cool. But you basically, if you're Utah, have the opportunity to amass the largest pick coverage of any team trading their star. The top one is essentially Paul George with five first-round picks and SGA before he's the SGA we know him as now. Hey, and that was still worth it. No, no, no. The, he was, he was, he was, he was a fine he was prospect. He was not yeah. anywhere near like the sky is the limit for him. And I want that to, to be reminded or because when we look back on that, it's like, oh my God, they got SJ in the deal. He was fine. He was not, he was not this type of player. He wasn't, he was really not a no player. doubt about it. All star. Not we, at all. Let's, he was, let's he was, say that he was a good rotation piece with a higher ceiling and pedigree being from Kentucky, but he, he yeah. was still a good player. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're in this case, it's like, the way I see it, if you're the Knicks, you could either give Utah the largest pick package ever, six picks, find a way to balance the pick protections and unprotected picks. And I'm sure we'll get into the years and how they do it. Or as I see it, you could give them the same package that you'd give for Paul George and the Clippers did, which features five picks and a good prospect and Quentin Grimes. The difference is that Paul George was a better player than Donovan Mitchell is now. The other difference is that Paul George had one fewer year of team control. So uh, a lot, a lot goes through with leverage. A lot goes through with, you know, the player and the type of talent and contract years. It's just not, it, it's like a recipe to me, right? Like recipes aren't blueprints. They're guides. You, you look at them to kind of help you go along, but it doesn't mean you have to stick to the script. You can be a little feasible. And this recipe is one that we just really haven't seen be done before. It's just a very different one. So it's kind of how I see it. Someone has already created the is Donovan Mitchell a Nick today Twitter account. And I am going to go retweet this sucker right now. There you go. Nice job, whoever you are. Well done. Um, I don't know why he's wearing number 11, though. We got to change that. Yeah, it's Frank Nielkina's number. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that's Ricky Lido. Um, yeah. just real quick, couple, couple random, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent cause we have a lot of questions I know, but like, I, I do at least want it noted for the record counselor, um, that they weren't the way that is, that trade is often referred to. I feel like it, they, they, yes, they were technically just trading for Paul George, but they were kind of trading for Paul George oh. and Kawhi Leonard. So, mm-hmm. um, unique situation. Um, 
And that is the other thing I just wanted to say in response to that, which is that every situation is unique. There, I don't believe there is one blueprint. And I think the fact that, and, and shout out to Zach Lowe, just wrote a great um, piece at the end of the week for ESPN, in which, and we, and Wendy had some on this too. I think he said on the podcast he, he spoke to twenty or some odd front office people that were bitching and moaning about the Gobert trade because basically that that trade it threw everything into like any 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 modicum of of decorum in terms of how these things are supposed to go. It may have now. In reality, I think Leon Rose can posture like, look, I'm happy for you that you got a new owner in Minnesota who was so fucking desperate and quite frankly, like stupid to to do that trade. Um, We will. We will give you the selling point, which is six is more than five, but don't expect us to go measure for measure and say, oh, if we got X for Rudy and Donovan is this percent much more of a valuable player and in des- you know desirable than Rudy, thus we must get Y. Like, Leon Rose is not going to be suckered into that, which is where I think the Jazz were initially coming at it from that angle. And now I have to think both sides are now coming closer to reality. Is that- but the, yeah, but the Wolves were this year's... Um- Bucks when they got holiday like the, the final piece that helps solidify their defense except they didn't have they, a two-time MVP. well why do i forget if he was but they, a they two-time have, sure but they have anthony edwards they've called okay. anthony towns like they are two bet two players on the roster who could you could make an argument well, next season will be better than rudy Gobert. can i you can't make that argument with the knicks and you, you could make fine. the same argument with gobert and the wolves as you could with pretty much all the trades that i had mentioned before then of teams that were leveraged into giving up those players 100 percent, but just as the Paul George trade was kind of for Kawhi too, the Drew Holiday trade was made in anticipation of Giannis's free agency upcoming. So I'm not saying that they were essentially trading for the for the uh, security of Giannis staying. For all we know, Giannis would have stayed whether they got Drew Holiday or not. We don't we don't know that, but I have to think that that played into their thinking at that time. Um, again, all of these things are just, are just very unique and um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, let's get to some more questions. I'm sure we have a lot lined up. Kevin Danishevsky, one more. Is there any chance Grimes starts with Mitchell at the three and a small lineup with Barrett at the four? I'm shaking my head. Uh, I know Tibbs hates going small, but I'm interested I don't think that there's a chance in hell that Barrett will start at anything other than the four. I think you three. could s- three, excuse me. That's, yeah. that's what I meant. Um, I think there is a chance that Quentin Grimes is among the lead. If he, if he's on the team after the trade that may or may not happen, I could see him being one of the league leaders amongst six men in uh, playing time. And I was thinking about this today on my run because it's all I could think about these days is what is, what is New York's death lineup um, if they make this trade? And the one I came up with, and this is probably not going to be realistic until after they trade Randall, but uh, small ball four with the first one through four, Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Grimes with OB at the five. And I thought about it because I was thinking about the Celtics 
and their run to the finals and how they used Robert Williams as this great weak side rim protector. And while I don't think Tom Thibodeau trusts Obiet to be a consistent, you know, paint protecting force, possession after possession after possession, guarding pick and roll after pick and roll, pick and roll like Mitchell Robinson does. I could see in in that alignment, um, him him being used in the Robert Williams role on defense when it's just like, hey, what if whatever the switching it doesn't work and someone's coming to the rim, that's when you come over. I could see him succeeding in that role, and then on offense, I mean, I, you know that that sells itself. I thought you were going to say the small ball lineup was just their starting rotation if it's Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, but yeah. Sure. I I agree. I don't think there's a huge pathway for RJ at the four, especially if Randall's here. I mean, we're already right. talking about can Obi get enough minutes? And if the Knicks just sign Hartenstein and they have Jericho Sims behind him, if push comes to shove and they need to elevate him. So I just, I don't think there's going to be a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Of course, of course, we, we get all the heavy hitters here. Robert Cross, thank you, my friend. It's fair and reasonable to say, oh, wow, this is a change. Not He's not asking. He's telling us. It's fair and reasonable to say that I appreciate the KFS crew for playback today. All should sign up for Patreon and prepare for hashtag Nick's Twitter Wars. Um, one, thank you, Robert, and shout out to all of our patrons. We got a bunch of signups over the course of the last several days. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're going to be scheduling uh, a town hall pretty soon for our Monroe uh, tier folks and up. And uh, we have some exciting stuff that we've been discussing that's coming next season for all of our patrons. So shout out to all of you guys. Um, next Twitter Wars, I, I like. I just, I pray, not even hope, I pray that if they trade for Donovan Mitchell, we could at least agree to be, even if it's through gritted teeth for some, to be happy that we have Donovan Mitchell. I, I hope we could do that. I say that out loud and I know it's not going to happen, but that's just my naive ask. I'll say this. It's not my preferred plan, but... That doesn't mean I hate it. I 
if Donovan Mitchell's on this team, I'm still going to root for it. And I'm going to look for ways for how the Knicks can get better. But it's still, if you're having a top 20 player, you just don't want to pay eight firsts and Quentin Grimes and anything else. You know, you want it to be a good deal because while both teams have leverage, what the Knicks have on their side is time. And the Jazz don't really have that. And the Jazz have the opportunity to tank from the beginning of the season. You're not going to get that from teams like OKC or Detroit. So if Donovan Mitchell's difference between the Jazz tanking the entire season and maybe them winding up with a top five best odds, that's pretty key in my opinion. But that's why it all it all comes down to the price. I'll be happy with Donovan Mitchell, but have to see what it costs first. I think the Hardy piece of it, uh, Will Hardy, obviously, uh, Boston was in Boston. Uh, Utah's new coach uh, wants to ideally get started off on a on a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, I, I will and I know there will be disagreements with this and that is fine. Because like teams can't magic up assets out of thin air. I just. I would be weary because teams. Priorities can change over the course of a season. And while your argument is that Ainge is going to want to get this done before the season, so thereby teams uh, will not have time for their priorities to change because they are, as of now, everybody's kind of set going into next year. Nothing, what, what is the case now is probably not going to change two months from now. I, I, I think there is as much impetus for the Knicks to get this done before the season as there is for the Jazz because once things start to get, start to change and Teams may start to get desperate. Somebody's not working out. Somebody gets hurt. Some, like all kinds of shit could happen, and you never knew, never, never know who may decide to get themselves, try to get themselves into the running again. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but like the the everlasting patience is the is the I, I, I I'm not there, you know. Um, I'm happy to see this team is currently constructed. That's all. Like I, I'm very excited about everything that this Knicks team can be. As am I. Right. So As am I. yes, I hear what you're saying in terms of other teams, but it's kind of like, I'll believe that they have the ammo when I see it. Well, th- but if, if, if you believe it when you see it, it's because they have traded for Don Mitchell. But, and then I, th- but still, but the difference there is that we're talking about, it's not that the Knicks, it's not the Knicks can't do it. It's just that the offer that they've set, it feels to me high enough that it would take a lot for those teams to even get to that point where so the Knicks could then go over that amount, which is already a very high price point. Like you'd have to, if you're Miami, you'd have to basically unlock one of your picks and if you're OKC why are you helping Miami make your draft thought. pick worse I had the same but thought. let's say they do that and you get three first round picks how are you making up the difference is Tyler Harrow gonna Tyler Harrow gonna give you two to three first round picks I'm, I'd be skeptical Max Struess Gabe Vincent are good players but no. you'd have to trade them to a team that is comfortable having them hit free agency next year I, I'm not saying it's impossible here it's just it sounds like from what Andy Larson said on the podcast that it's very much a, t- a two team race. Yep. Another one can materialize for sure, but it has to be the right situation. I don't know what that would be. And I don't know how Miami is going to, you know, like, are they trading Tyler hero and then saying, Hey, we have enough. And then Danny Ainge says, okay, cool. Well, like I'm still not going to trade him to you. If your package is still insufficient because the Knicks also have the ability to go higher. It's I'm fine where the Knicks are at. This is the price yep. point. 
We can find Listen, a way to compromise is, from there. This is why Leon Rose is getting paid an ungodly sum of money to do this exact thing that he is doing right now. And mm-hmm. we should trust him. Forgotten NYC. Is there any chance the Knicks don't end up with missile? I'm Mitchell. Of course, there's a chance. Of course, there's a chance. I mean, I guess this goes against what Jeremy just said, but I think even Jeremy would acknowledge or anybody would acknowledge like shit happens. You know, um, I, I'm trying to think of what would be the most realistic way that they don't end up with Mitchell. Um, I feel like if there was another real suitor right now, we would have heard about it. And the other, my main reason I think he ends up at a Nick and why I think the betting odds right now are like, it's two to one, not, or sorry, not two to one, the opposite. It's one to two. You're, you're basically betting 200 bucks to win a hundred. Um, is I do think Danny Ainge at the end of the day is going to bank on the Knicks figuring out a way to be bad. And I think he's, and whether, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that is a wise bet on Danny Ainge's part. I want to make that explicitly clear. Very clear. Um, I believe that is the bet that Danny Ainge will make. And unless he can get what he considers a blue, a bright blue chip young prospect, he is going to go for the highest, in his estimation, the, the draft hall that, that has the highest chance of producing a blue chipper that way. So that's why I think it'll be the Knicks. Sure. But also the best way he can get that blue chipper is by trading Donovan Mitchell so he can have the opportunity to land a great pick in this year's draft. Yeah. Yeah. No. For, uh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Donovan yes, Mitchell yes. is the yes. reason why the Jazz you. can't tank. Yeah. It took me It took me a second to, mm-hmm. to uh, process that. Uh, Hanwell Miles <laughs> F. Jorge Sedano. I feel bad saying that. Um, look, it, it wasn't his maybe his best performance. Um, listen, how about this? Let's agree to appreciate Mike Breen who does national broadcasts as if they he is they are the team he covers full time. Um granted tougher job for Sedano because he's doing 30 teams and he doesn't have you know that much time to prepare. Um Jaden Darcy, JD from Australia, what's going on? Uh good morning guys. Got up at 4 a.m. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, JD. Got up at 4 a.m. for the stupid summer league game. Summer league rings are for bozos anyway. I agree. Didn't want it. Keels will look good in a Utah jersey. <laughs> Purple is his color. I don't, can they, they can't trade Keels, right? They um, can't. I like the uh, idea. Yeah, we should. Uh, let's just go very quickly again, because you never know when people are, are how much people knowledge, how much people's knowledge, it, you know, how high it is of this situation. So here are the players that is, are not going to be going out in the in any theoretical Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, Trevor Keels, uh, Jericho Sims. And that's it, right? Did I Farron, it? Farron Hunt, probably. Oh, yeah. Farron. Assuming he is signed to a two-way. It's that a shame because he, he just he showed out so much. Uh, Jeremy E., what's going on, Jeremy? Thank you for the contribution. If we... Uh, oh, by the way, we're up to... Wow. 18 away! Come on, we can do it. 18 away from 10,000. Um, if we get Mitchell and manage not to trade away Obi. Randall simply cannot be on this team. I'm happy this question got asked because I want to talk about this for a sec. Is this front office seriously planning to just trot him out there after everything that's happened? My my impression, and by the way, again, shout out to Andy Larson who who just said this. So if he's heard it, again, he's 
he's getting stuff from Utah angle. So you don't, you know, you don't know, but he said his impression was that the Knicks are kind of looking for Randall to, to be here next year, uh, to be in New York rather next year, to be a part of this team and potentially look better alongside a better supporting cast. Now, I think that that could be true. And I, in fact, I do think it is true right now. If you put a gun to my head, I think I would, I would agree that the Knicks that as of right now are planning on Randall being back and are, are doing so with the intention of it, or with the, with the hope and, and thought that he will play better and, and just be better. I think the more interesting conversation is whether that is simply an end around to trading him for more value or whether they see him as like, we think he's still good and will be good for us moving forward with these better pieces. I tend to think it's more of the latter, that it's more like they know his value is shit right now and they're going to try to get it back up. Um, and on that note, and then I'll throw it over to you because I think this is a related point. This is from Juanon. Thank you for the contribution. Redacted still being on this roster post-Mitchell trade makes zero sense unless Tibbs is going to play either him or RJ off the bench. How is this going to work on either side of the ball? It, it On paper, it should not work. On paper, the notion that you are going to have four guys on the court at one time, all of whom... Their and it's not even close. Their primary value is with the ball in their hands. Um, that's not that's not smart team building. Now, are, are they going to sell Randall coming off the bench? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Uh, what say you, Jeremy? I agree for the reasons stated, for sure. You know the mindset that we've both had, which is that it'd be. A lot easier for this team if Randall were not here moving forward. And yet I also think back, and I, I'm not saying I believe this, but I just want to be true to the argument that was made before. And there was agreement, which was what happens when Julius Randall is on a team and he's not the first option, if he's not the second option. The question is, can you get Julius Randall to buy into the fact that that's not who he is? I don't know. I really don't. And I, I, I'm apprehensive and I understand why other people would be as well. But if you're trading, let's say the next trade six first round picks over the next uh, seven years, right? That would leave them with five remaining. Let's say the market for Randall just isn't good. Are you right attaching now. right now? Are you attaching a first in order to get rid of him because of fit? You're not. You, pr- you also may not be able to, depending on the stepping rule. So uh, that's kind of like, I-, I think the Knicks are saddled with him at this point. I've, I, Again, I've kind of given into that feeling. And I'm sure people will talk about, hey, well, what about Charlotte, right? Well, that's the only, that's the obvious one. But here's the other thing. We are past the point where the Hornets could take away the qualifying offer from Miles Bridges based on, like now they'd have to agree. Both sides have to agree. And if you're Miles Bridges, maybe you don't want to do that. And who knows what his legal... Uh, situation might be who knows if he's disciplined by the NBA all these different things I I don't know if he if he's if he has a a role in the NBA moving forward and the question is if you're Charlotte if you still think that there is a point where you can 
he can be rehabilitated in whatever way. I don't know. I'm just saying that well, this that's is not the mindset. It, no, we're, no. We're, we're, we're speculating about what Charlotte might think, to be mm-hmm. very clear. Yes. 100%. And it's okay. Well, if they feel like they still want to involve him in the fold and you have Randall and they feel like, like I just don't, I don't honestly see it at this point. Can I give or, you two, two or more? with the Lakers, for example? I was, so that's the other one. And there was a fake trade going around that we were t- tagged in. And I actually wrote about it for tomorrow's newsletter. So I don't want to get too much into it. I, not that trade because I the valuation is off for honestly everybody not the Knicks. I, I don't think that that's nuts. Something along the lines of Russ going to Utah and like players mostly from the Knicks going to the Lakers, but I don't see that being Randall either. I, I I would see it being other guys. I don't see it Randall. I also think that the Jazz because Clarkson was involved in that trade. I think the Jazz would want more yeah. value than to do that. I completely like, agree. I understand why the Knicks would do it. I understand why the Jazz would do it, except for the fact that they would probably want more for Clarkson. I think the Lakers get off pretty easy here. Uh, and I Maybe. think they'd have to give up more, and I don't think they have more to give. The, so the, the only other team, and again, I, I don't I don't think it makes sense from a basketball standpoint at all, especially after the DeJounte Murray trade. But like we've heard for months now, I mean, we've heard for months that John Collins is going to get traded, right? It's a toxic, I don't know, toxic, but like, it's not a good situation with him and Trey Young. Well, guess what? John Collins is still here. And the reason, or in Atlanta, and the reason John Collins is still Atlanta, I would guess, is that Atlanta tried to do the same thing I bet the Knicks tried to do over the last few months and tried to get value for their starting power forward. And everybody looked at John Collins like, eh, $25 million a year. We're is it just is I mean, is there a possibility you think the teams could be like here, let's just swap swap problems? I don't I don't know. I'm I'm just spitballing. That's it. Yeah. And I guess if you don't if you think this team is gonna be fine if they acquire Donovan Mitchell and have Julius Randle on the roster, and if the pick is gone, like I guess how high is the ceiling gonna be regardless? Because the whole thing with getting Donovan Mitchell is well, what's next? How are the Knicks getting a player better than Donovan Mitchell? Yeah. Then in that case. I can get the argument for keeping Julius because if you don't have your pick, it's going to be going to Utah anyway. You don't want Julius to hurt the team, but at the same time, you don't want to hurt yourself further by dealing Julius Randall just to get off of his money and get some back. It's just, it's complicated. But that's kind of the situation the Knicks would be presented with. And I, and and just to to put a capper on and then I'll get to Fern's question. Um, I actually don't think, and again, I am the captain of the Get Julius Randle Off My Basketball Team fan club. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that he will look better next year alongside a more talented group. As much as it, yes, I understand it does not make the most basketball sense. And honestly, it would probably require RJ taking a, a temporary, not step back, but like, we saw him embody more of a three and D role, not last season, but the season before that. And I went, th- I went and looked up the numbers today. After that ten game massive slump that he had, he had a good first game of the year against I think it was Indiana. Then he went to tank for ten games. From that twelfth game to the end of the season, he had an effective field goal percentage of fifty two point two. Which compare that to last year when he was obviously on ball so much more. Uh, it was it was forty six point six. So RJ has shown you the ability to be a guy who can be a valuable piece of what you're doing at both ends of the floor without the ball in his hands. Um, is that his role on this team long term? Absolutely not. But if there was a situation where the Knicks felt like, look, we need to 
like build up Randall's value a little bit. And RJ, we're going to give you a nine-figure contract as a show of faith that you're going to be very much an on-ball player on this team going forward and a very key piece. I don't know if if that's a, a way that they would go or they would just do like a lot of staggering and just try to get everybody their touch. I don't know. There's no easy answer, but just something I wanted to. I wanted to throw out there. Uh, okay. Fern Rodriguez, thank you for the generous contribution. Two questions. Any significance? No Brunson intro day yet. Front office waiting on Donovan Mitchell to do both. Uh, I'll just answer that. I reached out to Nick's PR because uh, I was curious about the open, uh, the intro presser for Mitchell or for Brunson, excuse me, because uh, I think Greg Armstrong had put it out on Twitter that it was going to be. Yeah. Thank there. Look at look at Andrew on the ball. Um, I'm, I don't want to dis- dispute this uh, from Greg, but I, I was told we will let you know if we have if we schedule anything. So take that for what it's worth. Um, it is entirely possible that Nick's PR is, is lying to me. Uh, I, 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 I would hope not, but you never know. Uh, so that's all I have on that. Um, and I don't think the two things are connected necessarily. I could see them just not doing an intro presser for for Brunson. It would not shock me. Uh, second question, any chance the Donovan Mitchell team trade turns into a three-team deal with Randall going to Charlotte to replace Miles Bridges? So we kind of just touched on that. Um, oh, shit. I was referencing Andrew's telling me in the chat to read Greg's tweet. Sorry, Andrew. Okay. Jalen Brunson will be introduced to New York this Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. at MSG. The press conference will be nationally televised. There you go. That is what Greg Armstrong tweeted. Again, I hope that happens. I hope I am being lied to by Nick's PR. Nothing would make me happier. Anyway, possibility of a three-team deal. Uh, here's the thing with the three-team deal is I think the way it works is if it allows... is if it unlocks an additional... specifically an additional draft asset for Utah in this trade. And I don't see... Charlotte, I could be wrong. I don't see Charlotte giving up a a first-round pick, a good first-round pick, to swap out, I guess it would be Hayward, for Randall when they already have a first-round pick out that has protections. Because then that basically encumbers them from trading another first-round pick for a very, very long time. And I don't think they want to be in that situation. And I certainly don't think Utah gives two flying fucks about acquiring Gordon Hayward again. Um, so where's the team that is essentially going to give up a draft asset to swap out what they have in exchange for some combination of Nick's stuff and something that Utah has that maybe Utah doesn't really want, which again, as you said, Jeremy, I don't think Jordan Clarkson fits into that uh, definition because I think Jordan Clarkson is, is an asset and I don't think Utah just wants to give him away. That's why the Westbrook thing is interesting and I wonder, and, and I'll, I'll throw another name in there, and it, it just doesn't quite jive because they'd be getting Derrick Rose and this guy. But how good is Mike Connolly's contract right now? Two years left, 22 and 20 for a guy that's, you know, been kind of banged up now for a couple of years. He's very good when he's on the court and he could shoot. Are we sure any team in basketball wants that contract? I'm not. Not at that price point. It's it's a tough logistical contract to inherit for a lot of teams. If you're the Lakers, where I mean, obviously you're just throwing shit against the wall at this point to try to 
get these two stars back to a championship. If the Kyrie thing doesn't work out, I can see them looking at Mike Conley's deal. Be like, you know what? <laughs> sure. Why not? I, I mean, I'm, I'm again, I'm just spitballing. I don't know. Well, the second year's guaranteed for like 14 million, but you probably right. like, even if you're the Lakers, if you're getting Mike Conley, you're not going to non guarantee him to get cap space because you're not going to get cap space because no. you will have two max contracts on the books, assuming LeBron extends, which I think he will at some point. And then you have Mike Conley, his dead money. So, yeah, there's certainly an option. You know, you could make an argument too with Boyan Bogdanovich. He might make more sense. At a certain point, they need to give in. The other team. He's an the, asset, though, I think, still. He is, but but then that's again, it's like it's a big number. You are if you are the Lakers and the Jazz, do you do Russell Westbrook and those two firsts for Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich? I don't Lakers I, aren't doing that. I don't think so either, but it's more like if the Nets are saying, We're not moving Kyrie for the package. We don't want Russell Westbrook. Mm. You have to find another way. And they're really two teams with significant cap space. One is the Spurs and the other is the Pacers. So, and this just to go back to the Knicks conversation with Randall, if you wanted to find a way to move him, you then need to consider, are those teams renting out their cap space? Um, you know, do the Pacers who have 31 or so million dollars in cap it's space enough to take in right. really want someone like Gordon Hayward if it were a three-team deal? Probably not without incentivizing it. Same with Utah, because if Utah is talking about we don't want to pay RJ Barrett, we don't want to pay Tyler Hero, we don't want to pay Cam Reddish, any of these guys taking on $31 million in Gordon Hayward's contract, not ideal without being compensated. Well, and especially since there's a second guaranteed year, Derek, that's the, exactly. the other If it was an expiring contract, that that would be different. Um, but yeah, there's one other... There's one other piece I have, in the, and I'll, I'm not going to give away the, the whole thing in the newsletter, but check out the next film school newsletter tomorrow and, and you'll see the whole fake trade that I have. Uh, Vasias Papas, I hope I pronounced that correctly, might be in the minority here, but I don't want, I don't really want Donovan Mitchell. We have to give too much, and I don't like pairing him with Jalen Brunson. Go Knicks, go Olympiacos. Um, listen, I think you're not alone. I think there are, there are a segment of the fan base out there that is just like, it's going to cost too much. I would just respectfully. Well, first, let me handle the, the the point with him and Jalen Brunson. I get it. It's a small backcourt. It is it is probably going to be an issue at the very least in the last five minutes of a high level playoff game in something like a conference finals or a finals or, you know, and and as soon as I say those words out loud, I remember I'm a Knicks fan and I have not experienced any of those sorts of things in a very long time. Now, that doesn't mean you punt on like, like if I thought it was going to be literally impossible to survive basketball wise with these two small guys in the backcourt, I would say, all right, you know what? Fine. It's not the move. I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. I don't think it's so unworkable that is, it is, it is a deal breaker. Um, you know, staggering happens in the playoffs really, really good players, all-star level players, find themselves on the bench at key moments of key games because it's just, you know, it's it's about matchups and maybe the matchups aren't there. Jordan, Jordan Poole. <laughs> Ellison says, we just played a final today, John. What a, what a final. Summer what? League. Summer League final. Yeah. They played in the championship. There you go. First time. Sh- You've seen it. 
Good call. Have I, some respect I for the Summer went, League Knicks. Literally went right over my head. Um, now I've completely lost my my uh, point. Matchups. Yeah, the, the, the point is like, I think it's workable. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to reference. The finals we just saw. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is probably going to get the $100 million contract. Um, had trouble getting on the floor in the finals. Like, that's what happens sometimes Like when you get to those stages. So that's not a reason I'm not doing the trade. And then if you just like, you don't love how much you're going to give up. Well, you know, what's your plan? <laughs> what's what's the path? And I understand that I, that's somewhat facetious because there there's always other options. But when you're just when you're playing the odds, I I think the odds on this one working versus any other path you want to say, I I think I think they're a little better. Presuming it is not some ungodly package that just is like beyond unreasonable. I've come off of the fear of Brunson and Mitchell together because if it doesn't work long-term, there are ways of fixing that. That's not the biggest thing. And I understand you could say, well, if over the next three years, you don't see the Knicks going far, why would you even trade for Donovan Mitchell? And I think the reason for that is still, well, you could put yourself in a markedly better position than you are now. It just comes down to, Okay, yeah. Who are you getting after you get Donovan Mitchell? That's why the two biggest things that I'm concerned about, not necessarily in this order, but just generally. Number one, of course, is the total cost. You don't want to pay too much to the point where, great, you got your star in the building, but no other way to get difficulty. Right. And number two is how far out the picks that you're trading go. Because if you find yourself in a position where if you're the Knicks and you're trading, either the 2028 or 2029 first round pick, then you can't unlock your picks until 2030 or 2031 respectively. And that is a huge issue if you're New York because it hamstrings you from what you're able to accomplish, which means you either need to find a way to be financially creative, which the Knicks sort of are doing with their descending contracts uh, and really hone in on 2025 when you would imagine there might be a good free agency class or If that doesn't work, you then have to trade for a player. And if we're in 2025, the furthest out you can trade your first round picks is what? Uh, 2033, because you have passed the 2025 draft. So really, if you like you have access to four firsts, but you can't trade more than two of them. If you did the 2028 first, I know Stepien's confusing, but the point is it puts you in a very untenable situation for New York. And that's why I think the Knicks are really trying to focus on these protected picks. And they're trying to focus on unprotected picks that are not going to extend too far into the future, not because they're worried about being bad, but because they have no control or limited control over what they can do to then say, hey, we have RJ Barrett, we have Donovan Mitchell. How can we get that one bona fide player to get us way over the top? And it's uh, tough. The, 29, the 2029 pick, when I will be... Dear God, don't say it. You don't have to. I'm not going to say it because nah. the number just went into my head and it's not something I care to No, um, The 2029 pick is so, 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 so important because you're, it is the difference between being able to be or being hamstrung to the point that Jeremy just uh, eloquently uh, said, or if you keep that pick, you're essentially two years away from being able to offer swaps in 2028 and 2030 
and firsts in 2029 and 2031. And if you keep at least one of these kids and one of these kids turns out to be pretty good, well, then all of a sudden, that's a package. There's your, there's your package for your second star. Um, very easy. And, it's, and, it, and by the way, I think that'll be maybe a, a, mar- a more marketable package because here's the other thing. And this is the other part of the Donovan Mitchell thing. It's like, okay, you're trading for him and you don't think you can win a championship um, in the next two to three years. Well, it's a good thing that Donovan Mitchell is 25 fucking years old, you know, and by all indications, seems to very much like the idea of playing in New York. Um, and yeah, you, we could go further on uh, down this rabbit hole about because, uh, again, people fear the mellow trade and the incompetence that was displayed in attempts at team building after that trade and, and how bereft that team was. The notion that this this team could make this trade and be four or five years away from 17 wins. I mean, look, you never know, but I just, I don't see it. I don't yeah. see it. And the one more thing before we transition that I just want to say is I've talked about how the path to get, uh, like if you get your first star in the building via trade, you still need to find your second star. It hasn't worked in the past and that's true. But we also haven't seen a situation really where the team that's trading for that star is using either another team's first round draft picks as coverage or as the foundation of a package. So if you're left in a place where you're not like stripped bare, like the Lakers after the AD trade or the Nets after the Harden trade, there's room to grow there. And when you have the cap rise in such a nice way that never happened with Carmelo Anthony, that's a different story too. So it's a fine line. You'd have to navigate it very precariously, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that opportunities can't present themselves. So they're just, they're very different situations. The mellow trade and, and a prospective Don trade, very different. Yeah. Yeah. And to, and to your credit, because you always point this out and I maybe poo poo it a little bit. I, I do trust this front office to be able to navigate the finer points of that evolution from point A to point B. Um, because it will need to be deftly navigated. And, you know, this is where trying to win these little deals comes up big eventually. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.